So much angst uh, and anger about the government's announcement this morning. Um, and there is some support there from the business sector. But uh, we shall see what happens with the business groups when we talk to them a little bit later on. Right now, though, on the line with us, Professor Michael Baker, of course, leading epidemiologist. Hello, Professor. Yeah, kia ora, Simon and James. Really nice to have you on the show. Thank you for your time. So, Professor, you've obviously had a chance now to digest what the government announced this morning. What's your overview of that? Well, I think it's a mixed um, package. I mean, there are some real positives, but also things I think could have been done a little bit better. Um, but think about some of the positives. Firstly, is that this is still providing a lot of protection to New Zealanders. This is not the, the let it rip Boris Johnson school of thought. So I think um, that's good news. Mm. Um, and I think it's also got this strong emphasis on vaccination all the way through it. So I think that's very positive. Mm. Professor, it would be fair to say, even when we mentioned you were going to come on our show, there and I'm I'm just being candid with you, there is a good amount of criticism of you because people argue that you don't uh, live in the real world and that your main brief is public health and you don't understand businesses that are going to the wall. How would you respond to that? Well, look, that's um, I, I actually have some sympathy for that view because you know my job is around presenting public health arguments. And there are other people, um, very well-organised business groups that present the business case. So mm. I think that's the, the pluralist society we're in. You have these different viewpoints. And government, in the end, has to make the hard call on how they prioritise these considerations. Um, you know, I, I recognise I'm in a privileged position. I have a regular job at university. I'm, I'm doing two jobs now because I'm not paid to do any of this work on uh, COVID, being a if you like, a, a COVID commentator. Mm. Um, so it has involved, you know, my evenings and weekends for the last 18 months. But, you know, I think it is like many people are going way beyond their normal activities to add a voice. I mean, last year was simpler. I mean, the elimination strategy produced really great results for public health. It was very good for the economy. We had, um, New Zealand had the least restrictions for 18 months. So it was very good for business as well. So every, it ticked every box. Now we're going into a much more complex situation where it's, it's really difficult trade-offs. Uh, in general, the evidence is that if you protect people, you also protect the economy. Mm. But there are always, unfortunately, winners and losers. And um, I can understand people who've, you know, people, friends of mine have lost their jobs and their businesses. So it's really tough. Mm. Professor, have you got any explanation as to why we've seen a big rise in cases in highly vaccinated countries like Singapore and uh, Ireland and Israel? Why would that be? Well, there's multiple things going on. Firstly, even in the most highly vaccinated countries, and I've looked, I keep a very close eye on Singapore because I think that's uh, closer to us than most places. Uh, even though they've got um, a high coverage of the people who are eligible for vaccine, um, they actually have only really covered 80% of the, of the country because, uh, you know, quite a big chunk in New Zealand's case is about 15% of the population is too young to be vaccinated. So mm. even when we say we're going for 90%, in reality that is, you know, really below 80% mm. um, covered at that point. Uh, so... It means that um, in New Zealand's case, we'll have over, well over a million people who are not vaccinated who will get this virus. And so it will spread very rapidly amongst um, school-aged children and younger children. 
who aren't vaccinated. Uh, and also, unfortunately, New Zealand now also spread very widely amongst Maori and, and to some extent Pacifica who have low coverage. So that is a real problem for here. Mm. Uh, Professor, someone has texted and said that the Ministry of Health, Health uh, data today shows that 4,400 uh, 4, 400 people have survived, have had COVID and survived and are now immune. That's correct in the first instance, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's something like that, yeah. Right, okay. So they also question the fact that there have been 28 deaths since March last year. So that's not, a, it's not that high a rate, is what they're saying. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah um, only basically the, the main issue is that your risk of dying is hugely influenced by your age. And mm. a large portion of the people who have been infected in New Zealand are relatively young. Initially, many of the people who got infected were, were relatively young tourists. And since then, um, again, we've got in that total includes a lot of um, travellers coming back into New Zealand who are added in, who are relatively young, and even the demographic who are getting infected now are relatively young. So what you have to do is adjust for the age distribution of a population. And internationally, we talk about what's called the infection fatality risk, and that is around um, half to 1% of people who get this infection will die from it. Now, um, in New Zealand, it's very different because of the demography. So you have to look at different age strata. Right. Mm. Professor, the 90% target this morning, that's what seems to be incensing a lot of people. They're sort of arguing, look, the, the ones that have made the decision that they don't want to be vaccinated, um, that's probably not going to change. As I look at the numbers right here, right now, at this very moment, 86% of eligible Kiwis have had their first dose, 69% are fully vaxxed. The target's 90%, so that's 21% shy. Um, do you, how realistic, honestly, do you think it is to get to 90%? And, and I guess I have some sympathy for these people because you know, the rest of the country may be held to ransom by a small pocket of New Zealand in one DHB. So how realistic is 90% double-vaxxed for the country, effectively? I, I think that is realistic, the way we're going. And one of the reasons, I think, is, um, you know, we first of all, we sorted out vaccine supply now, and that was relatively late coming, so everyone really has access to vaccine now. Secondly, it's about communication. So people, some people, as you know, have, um, um, have got misinformation and are hesitant. But now the third thing that's coming in now, are you, you'd see all these different incentives, and that was a big feature of the announcement today. And you can see the very clear message that was said over and over again in different ways that... Mm -hmm. If you're going to participate normally in society, you're going to have to be vaccinated. Mm. But basically, almost every indoor environment you want to go into, even to get a haircut, you're going to have to be vaccinated. So that's a very strong message, and I think that will nudge many of the hesitant people into getting vaccinated. Well, let's hope you're right. I have to ask you this because we get a certain section of our audience that always text us. Ivermectin? Yeah, well, I, like most scientists, I wish it worked. Um, you know, I'm waiting for the trials to say it works really well because around the world, um, people like myself or, or, the, or my, my colleagues who work with drug discovery, they love to repurpose drugs for different purposes. And so all the old drugs in the world are being tested out to see if they work on uh, COVID-19. 
um, there's no there's no resistance to testing drugs and, and reusing them for other things. But at the moment, the trial results are very um, ambivalent about this drug working. Um, and I know it's, being, it's going through some larger trials now, but the effect is not strong if, it, if there is a positive effect at all. Um, so it's a mystery to all of us why people have seized on ivermectin. You could have seized on, I mean, for a while, they um, seized on various malarial drugs um, and even bleach. You know, people said, look, they must mm. work. But actually, they just need to go through the same trials as every other drug to see if they make a difference. And this is the um, randomized controlled trial. That's what all the vaccines go through every drug that we use now goes through those trials to say, is it safe and is it effective? And the evidence, and I've looked at um, is um, the um, most systematic trials that um, are, have been collated, these are systematic reviews, are not showing um, that it works. Or is it, some studies find it works, some don't. So you put all the trials together and the net effect is that it doesn't right. show a spectacular effect. Right. A couple of texters have asked, you know, what is the problem with the fact that uh, 500 people die of the flu every year? Why are we so worried about this? Well, if we took the likely mortality we're seeing in somewhere like Singapore, it would be 10 people a day dying, which is, you know, 3,500 people a year. Um, so that's much worse than the flu. That would be 10% of the people who die in a year now, which is a bit over 30,000, would add another 10% to that. Mm -hmm. don't want that. No one wants that at the moment. That's maybe what we're going to see um, with this virus. So um, it's much worse than the flu. Um, that's that's the, um, the first thing. Um, and part of the difference is that all of us have had some exposure to the flu initially very young, so we have some resistance to it. Um, this virus, we have no resistance. We get, we will get good protection from uh, vaccine, um, uh, and that's why vaccination is so important. Very good. And the last thing from me, I, I, I can't help but feel, Professor, you know, there, there's a certain amount of people that will be listening to this, and you give those numbers, and Sean Hendy's given modelling numbers, um, um, and they go, you're being alarmist. We just haven't seen those numbers come to pass. And so they argue with the science. But the fact is, well, how, well, how, let me ask you, how do you respond to those people that say, all you alarmists, it's never, it's never amounted to that. After a year and a half, we've only had 30-odd deaths. I know. That is a great thing. And one of the things that encourages is this idea, you know, exceptionalism, that somehow the virus will arrive here and it will behave differently from how it's behaved elsewhere. And that's what happened in Europe. They said, it will, well, this is, this is causing um, alarm in China, but it's going to be a mild flu. It's going to be like a, a, a bad flu season. And it turned out not to be. And if you look at the UK and the US, 0.2% um, of their population has died from this. And that's hundreds of thousands of people. And it's still doing that, and particularly in the U.S. It's killing almost 2,000 people a day. And you just add that up day after day. Mm. Uh, if you look at the what we call excess mortality data, that's showing that um, um, you've got recorded deaths, which is about 5 million internationally. That means the people who tested positive and then died. But if you use excess mortality, so you compare last year with the pattern of the previous 10 years, yes. That gives a more accurate indication. That was just published in The Economist magazine. And that said it's killed over 18 million people. That was two months ago. 
So now it's probably killed about 20 million people now. In the US, it's now killed more people than died in the 1918 flu pandemic. And life expectancy in the US last year dropped by 18 months. That's the biggest decline since the Second World War. So every indicator says this is the most serious infectious disease threat the world's faced since the 1918 flu pandemic. So I'm not making this up. This is just multiple different bits of information telling us that. Now, in New Zealand, we've been insulated from that by the elimination strategy, which has saved about 10,000 lives if we'd had the same mortality experience as we would have had in the UK or US. It's also, as I said, kept the economy going and kept our hospitals functioning. Uh, They can't do transplant surgery in many countries around the world now because the ICUs are completely filled for the last 18 months. This is having a really serious effect. So the fact that people haven't died in large numbers in New Zealand has been great news, but it has maybe made some people think it's never going to happen. It will happen if we have this virus circulating and we're not immunised. Very good. Professor Baker, we've had a couple of texts, a number of texts, saying basically that you're a government stooge and you're paid to say this. I know you said this at the beginning of our talk. Can you just repeat to them because they didn't hear earlier? Well, I, my, I would say I hope the government's listening and they do start paying me. That would be a really nice change. Right, so you're not on their payroll. Yeah. No, I'm, I, look, I'm a well-paid university professor. And I'm supported by the taxpayer, and I'm very grateful for that. And um, the last year, 18 months, I've worked harder than any time in my life, and it's been to support what I think is an evidence-informed strategy, trying to take the best information we can around the world. And it's to try and help New Zealand, guide New Zealand through what is a really tough challenge. There is no, as we say, um, there is no good... um, answer there's just the least bad choice Mm. because all the choices have been really tough and the choices now are tougher than before for the next um, year or so it's tough being a politician it's tough being you know a public servant i think and uh, you know i hope that uh, i'm actually quite confident that new zealand's going to come through this in good shape but you know there isn't one simple answer that's what um, the last 18 months has taught me Professor Michael Baker, really appreciate your time. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Great to talk. Thanks.